From the Los Angeles Times, this is Coronavirus in California, stories from the front lines. I'm Gustavo Arellano. It's Friday, May 29th. Today, this weekend, thousands of churches, mosques, synagogues, and other places of faith across California will finally reopen after two months. The move by Governor Gavin Newsom to shut them down was controversial. The state currently faces lawsuits alleging a violation of the First Amendment, and even the U.S. Department of Justice sent him a warning letter about the matter. Many places of faith transition to online services in the meantime, like Word of Life Ministries International in Riverside. But lead pastor Brenda Wood, who's a plaintiff in one lawsuit and ministers to about 30 people at her church, argues there's nothing like worshiping in person to receive the word of God. She plans to reopen this Sunday, with social distancing, of course. Blue Shield of California would like to take this moment to thank the mothers, fathers, sisters, brothers, daughters, sons, friends, and heroes on the front line. This fight is tough, but so are you. And we're grateful for your courage and your dedication to keeping us all safe and healthy. Thank you. So, Pastor, remind listeners about the importance of Pentecost Sunday for Christians. Oh, well, Pentecost Sunday is 50 days after Easter, after Jesus' resurrection into heaven and and meeting with the Father. And so the day of Pentecost Sunday, it's the day that we rejoice and we praise God because it's the day that the Holy Spirit came to this atmosphere and made himself known. And so it's a day of celebration. Was that when the tongues of fire uh, appeared over the apostles? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you remember the story of Peter, he wasn't very bold. He denied Christ three times. But then after the day of Pentecost, when they went to Jerusalem and prayed and Jesus told them to wait for the promise of the Father, then the promise of the Father came. Then uh, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, went out and began to preach to those same people that he was afraid of earlier. Yeah, I always loved Peter, the denying of Christ and then the cock crowed and he started crying to me. That just made, you know, made those stories just so human because you could relate to him. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's he's like all of us. He has characteristics of all of us, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. No, I, I love them. So how does it feel then that the first official Sunday that churches in California can try to go back to normal happens to fall on Pentecost? Well, I don't think it's an accident or a coincidence by any means. I believe that this has been orchestrated by God all along. And so I'm super excited because I think you're going to see a difference in the church. I think you're going to see a difference in people. I think there's going to be a desire like there never has been before. And that excites me. Has it been hard for you and your congregation during this shutdown? Oh, absolutely. Just like a lot of people, I've been having drive-in services and we have a high homeless population. And so um, let me just say it this way. I should be getting hazard pay, but uh, but we still go ahead and we still do what we're called to do and minister to those that want to be ministered to and a lot of prayer. So, yeah. So you mentioned the drive-in ministry. Have you been uh, also broadcasting your sermons online or what other things have you done to reach out to your congregation and other people who might be interested in what in your words? Oh, absolutely. We do an online service on Facebook Live every single Sunday, and it's also on YouTube. But also, I haven't been sitting at home 
me personally. I've been out going to the big box stores and grocery stores, getting supplies for those whose health is compromised or the elderly or people with small children and making sure that they're fed and that they have the supplies that they need, as well as organizations like family planning centers and or pregnancy centers and uh, also human trafficking centers. I mean, because everybody's kind of been hurting during these times. And so they needed everybody to pitch in. So obviously, most people remember in the Old Testament, the 10 plagues that that God rained down on the Egyptians. But does the Bible say anything about ministering to people in hard times like this, like during pandemics? Well, the Bible does say that we're supposed to be Jesus during all times. But in my opinion, especially during a pandemic or a national state emergency, that is when the church is called to shine. That's what we do. We are called to bring hope when there's no hope. We're called to bring life when there seems to be no life. And we're called to bring joy when there is no joy. And I believe that the scripture and the words of God and words of faith, that's what we do. It's a great honor to be able to do that. What measures, now that you're going to be able to have people within your church, the actual physical building, what measures are you going to take to ensure that people remain healthy? Well, we're going to go by the CDC guidelines, just like everybody else. We'll have social distancing, plenty of hand sanitizer. People will be separated as they sit down and wear masks. I mean, I won't be wearing a mask while I'm preaching, but others will be wearing a mask. Here in California, you've had an open letter signed by over 1,200 pastors. I mean, this came a couple of weeks before where they're vowing to hold church or service on Pentecost, whatever the state said. And I also believe you're also part of a lawsuit that argued that a lot of these stay-at-home orders were a violation of the First Amendment. What do you think came from the motivation to make these uh, gestures? To tell Governor Gavin Newsom, you know what, you're overstepping your bounds. Us as churches, we also have a right to congregate. You know, we could take care of ourselves and you telling us you can't do anything at all. That's a violation of our First Amendment. Absolutely. And I was having drive-in services. Everybody pulled up. They were in their own vehicle. They wore masks. The restrooms were not available. No one was getting out. And then there came a county health order saying no drive-in services. Well, as soon as that was in the order, I believed that that was a violation of the First Amendment. And so that's what motivated me to join a class action lawsuit. Because just because there's an emergency or a pandemic does not mean that our constitutional rights go out the window. Uh, You know, what government officials say is that a lot of churches, they've been hotspots for coronavirus. Up in Sacramento, there was a, I believe it was like a Russian evangelical church where dozens of members got ill. In suburban Seattle, there was a, a chorus. A lot of people got sick. Do you understand at least where the government came, at least California came in trying to limit church services? Well, of course. And that's why we cooperated with social distancing and mask and a drive-in service. Uh, I thought that that was our part and we are doing our part. But just because there is a pandemic doesn't mean that church stops. And online is great, but there's nothing like meeting together. Meeting together is what the Bible calls us to do. Do not forsake assembling together. And so, of course, we implemented the social distancing guidelines and and did everything that we were supposed to do.
This LA Times podcast is presented by Blue Shield of California. The fight is tough, but so are you. Thank you, Frontline. This advertiser has no influence over editorial decisions or content. Pastor, you mentioned earlier about, you know, you want to, as people of faith, you want to meet together. You want to congregate together. Talk a little bit more about that. Explain, especially to folks who don't go out to church, like the importance of being together, being a congregation together and hearing the songs and being able to greet each other, even from a socially safe distance. Well, if you if you've never been into church and if you've never gone to church, well, church is a family, and we actually say it is the family of God. And when you ask Jesus into your heart and you're born again and you receive that salvation, then you're part of the family of God. And so, as a church, we meet as a family. And so, think about it like this: when we're social distancing and you haven't been able to see your family, your mom, your dad, your grandkids, or your kids, well, something's missing in your life. Well, it's the same in church. When you're not able to be around those that you love and worship together with, well, then there's something missing in your life. And so as a church during these trying times, we've tried to find ways that uh, we could still meet together, but still cooperate with the CDC guidelines of social distancing and masks and and going by all their rules, I should say. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because on the other hand, you know, church wasn't considered essential in California, yet uh, liquor stores were, marijuana shops were, Costco's were, uh, and a lot of those places, social distancing was not being practiced. Well, and that's exactly correct. Where I meet, where we meet, we rent from another facility, and uh, there's a liquor store right next door. And so here we are having our drive-in services, and everybody's going by all the rules. And in the liquor store, everybody's just running in and out and congregating and all sorts of stuff. And so, yeah, it's inconsistent. And you can't uh, require churches to go by certain guidelines and permits and not expect everyone else to. I just want the playing field to be leveled. And that's why I thought that our constitutional rights were being violated. Yeah, it's interesting. In 1918, uh, when there was a Spanish flu, the only group of people of faith that sued, uh, and specifically in Los Angeles, was Christian scientists. All the other congregations, they grumbled, of course, they complained, but it was, o- it was only the Christian scientists who sued. Well, and sure. And and now it's a little bit, of course, it's a little bit different. Everybody went online right away, which is great because everybody, most churches already have online capability. I know it was a struggle for some, but like, what do you do when you have a congregation that is technology challenged? And there are some folks in my congregation that don't have a cell phone, believe it or not, don't have internet, believe it or not. So what do you do when you're in that position? And so I think that it just took some creativity on our part to figure out what to do and how to handle it. Yeah, no, a lot of older folks. I mean, it, my, my dad barely has a flip phone. He doesn't like he wouldn't know how to uh, stream anything. 
you know, you mentioned about congregating and the importance of that. But a Baptist friend of mine, she actually reminded me of this. There's two verses in Matthew. Uh, one, Matthew 6, 6, says something to the effect that if you pray in secret, that God will reward you openly. And then Matthew eighteen twenty was, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in there in the midst of them. So she was arguing to her fellow Baptists, like, hey, we don't all have to gather just right now. You could still pray in silence within yourself, and God will still be there for you. Well, absolutely. And we believe that too. But we also believe in Hebrews where it says, do not forsake assembling yourself together. And I believe if you're going by, again, the CDC guidelines and what they're saying, and we're doing all that, then we should be respected to assemble, even if it is a drive-in service. Yeah, the drive-in service one is interesting because everyone's in their car. It's not It's not like you folks are Catholic and giving a Holy Communion or uh, anointing anyone with holy water. You're just talking. It's like the old uh, Reverend Robert Schuler at his Crystal Cathedral in the old days. That's right. And the only one that was exposed was me. <laughs> um, why do you think it's been evangelicals, especially, who have been pushing, uh, you know, Governor Newsom? I'm Catholic. Uh, you know, the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, from early on, they said, hey, we're not going to meet for a while. Just recently, Archbishop Jose Gomez said, we're going to start slowly uh, meeting again starting in June. But, you know, Catholics are the ones who, you know, the anointing, the communion, the drinking of, of the holy wine from the chalice. What do you think is it about the evangelical mindset that has been agitating more, you know, on the basis of First Amendment? I think that Catholicism has always been there and will always be there. And I think that Catholics know that and that they're going by what they think is best. Evangelicals, well, we come from a different perspective than Catholics. And in the evangelical church, it's a family. It's not a ritual. It's what we do. We come together and we don't want to forsake that. We love being around each other. And not that Catholics don't love being around each other, but I think it's a different social setting. Do you know what I mean? We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. Right, right. Absolutely. I just think that evangelicals just have a different perspective than maybe Catholics. So during these trying times, what are some of some of your favorite verses that you've been uh, telling your congregations to be comforted? Well, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And so we're not to walk in fear. We're not to, we can't have a sound mind when you're walking in fear. And so we're to walk in the power and the love from the Holy Spirit. And of course, uh, Psalm 103.3, God uh, heals all of my diseases. We believe in healing. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit to stay well and healthy. You know, they're like simple verses, but they're powerful. And they're the ones that give us strength so that we can carry on. You know, as another, I forget which Bible verse, I'm not the best of Catholics, this too shall pass. Well, this too shall pass. In fact, I wouldn't say you're not the best at Catholics. You're a good Catholic. Don't say that. This too shall pass. You know, my grandmother used to say that all the time. This too shall pass. And there's a lot of wisdom in that, isn't there? I absolutely believe so. Thank you so much for this conversation, Pastor. You're so welcome. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of Coronavirus in California, Stories from the Front Lines. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story you want to share with us? Call our hotline at 213-986-5652 and leave us a message. That's 213-986-5652 or email me, gustavo.ariano at latimes.com. This podcast was hosted by me, Gustavo Ariano. Our producers are Paige Heimson and Stan Lee. 
Our senior producer is Rena Palta, and our executive producer is Abby Fentress Swanson. Our engineer is Mike Heflin, and our original music was composed by Andrew Eapen. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a five star review on Apple. Special gracias to Julia Turner, Shelby Grad, Hector Becerra, and Clint Schaff. For the latest coronavirus stories by my LA Times colleagues, including an up-to-the-minute tracker of cases across California, don't forget to visit our website. Right now, access to facts has never been more important, and the LA Times is in the business of reporting them. Stay connected and subscribe, because your subscription supports the production of podcasts like this one and our award-winning journalism. Visit latimes.com support LA Times to subscribe. Stay safe, and see you Monday.